0: Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, everyone, for making your way out to the house of the Lord today. So good to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. I don't know about you, but there's no place I'd rather be. Amen. The old songwriter said, "Than in the presence of God. This morning, I want to welcome our E family. We're so glad that you've had an opportunity to join us, whether in person or online. Amen. I greet you on behalf of Pastor Jason and Sister Valerie Staten, who are officially on vacation. Amen. And so we hope that they have a great time and that the Lord refreshes them. And uh, we're so glad that they're able to get away for a little bit. The story I'm being told is pastor uh, on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday went down some Class 5 rapids on the Colorado River. And so I haven't had a bad report, so all evidence is that he made it through. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm sure if anything bad happened, we would know about it. But uh, we're praying that God can uh, minister to them this week and let them refresh as they spend some time with family. Hopefully they're away from cell phones and away from internet and they're locked away in the mountains somewhere in Colorado and that they're going to have a great time. Amen. So good to see everyone this morning. I am so glad that Sister Jessica Monk is back home from her mission trip. Amen. We've missed you, Sister Monk. And then tonight, she's going to be uh, testifying about all of the great things that God did in Holland. And I I think she has a special surprise that she might want to share with all of us tonight. I'm not quite sure, but I'm pretty sure about that. And then I know tonight we've got a couple special treats. Brother, the future Pastor Moises Velasquez is going to be bringing the fire tonight. Amen. On Sunday nights, we get some of our ministers in training and give them 10 minutes of fire. And so we're asking the Lord to pull down the Holy Ghost. Amen. And then I know our real missionary, Pastor Daniel de Temple, is going to be preaching tonight. We're so glad to have brother and sister de Temple home just for a little bit. To, I know they're already talking about going home and they just got here. Sister de Temple, Sister Anita de Temple's like, don't even talk about that. That's not what she wants to hear. But so good to see them, and those babies have grown up so big. And I'm sure we'll get a chance, Sister Temple. You would be ready to testify as well, Amen. We're just going to have a little church tonight, Amen. How about that? Hallelujah, Amen. Thank you, everyone. I'm going to, if you turn with me to the Book of Judges, chapter six, I'm going to read a familiar portion of Scripture. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version, and uh, uh, while you're turning there, I do want to say thank you to everyone who gives to our Shepherds Fund. If you don't know what the Shepherds Fund is, Sister Peoples, would you raise your hand? Big and real high. Sister Jones, where's Sister Jones? Raise your hand. Some of these ladies around here, Brother Peoples is around here somewhere. I saw him earlier. Uh, If you don't know what the Shepherds Fund is, either see myself or one of these ladies after church. We'd love to help you understand. We'd like to do things as a congregation to bless our pastor and his family on special occasions that doesn't have to be taxed and all of that stuff that goes on. Just kind of craziness. Well, so, uh, I know you probably see those envelopes they hand out at the first of the month, but I know next Sunday we're gonna be honoring our, our pastor, our spiritual father. Uh, he's a little bit younger than I am, and uh, he's still my spiritual head, my spiritual father, and we're gonna be honoring him with some nice gifts. Amen, and so if you'd like to be a part of that, you can. And also, my wife is home not feeling well this morning, and so uh, we forgot. There is a card, a great big card out in the foyer. Please take an opportunity on your way out today and sign that. If not, sign it on Wednesday night and get an opportunity to express to Pastor Staten how much you love him. To all of our guests, we're so glad that you're here. We know that you've got opportunities to go and worship in a lot of places, but we are privileged and honored that you would come and be a part of a service here at Living Hope. Amen. And As I said, our pastor is a tremendous man. My opinion is he might well be the best preacher to ever put foot in shoe leather. I think he's the best preacher I know. Uh, I'm sure he's the best preacher of his generation. And uh, so you owe it to yourself, not that we're going to have we're planning to have anything negative here, but you owe it to yourself to come back next Sunday and hear him preach on Father's Day. He is a tremendous, uh, tremendous man of God, and he is a great communicator of the gospel message. Amen. Judges chapter 6, beginning in verse 11, says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree. The King James says the oak tree, which was in Oprah. Which belonged to Joash, the Abirite, while his son Gideon, Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Now I know you've probably read that verse a few times over the course of your life, but how many of you really understand that he is threshing wheat in a winepress? Now I'm not a wheat person per se. I've never threshed any wheat, but my understanding is in order to thresh wheat, you've got to have a little bit of wind. you got to lift it up in the air and the air is going to bu- so he's not in the place he should be. The Bible literally says he's hiding in a wine press to do what he has to do. And the angel, verse 12, of the Lord appears to him. Now that's pretty cool, isn't it? How would you like the angels to show up where you're at? And the And said unto him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Hiding in a wine press. And Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord. That's how I would say it. I like how the King James says it. Gideon says, oh, my Lord. If the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? If God is really with us, then why are we going through all this trouble? And where? Tell your neighbor, where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? Saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us. There, You can tell where where Gideon's living, right? Now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Verse 14, then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? And so he said unto him, O my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan, my people, is the weakest of all the people in Manasseh, and I am the smallest, I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I'll be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. You lay your Bible, your iPad, your phone, whatever you're doing there, lay it down. Would you lift a hand and pray with me this morning? Father, we praise you, we bless you, we honor you. God, I lift you up in this service, Lord. I pray, Lord, even as I felt that you've spoken to my heart the things which are going to be done here today, Lord, I pray for your mercy, for your peace, for your strength. I pray for every heart, God. I bind that spirit of distraction that so easily comes in, and I pray, Lord, for your mercy and your strength in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Why don't you give your neighbor a fist bump, and you can be seated in the name of the Lord. 5,126, that's the number of failed prototypes for Sir James Dyson went through over the course of 15 years before creating the world's best-selling and my favorite bagless vacuum cleaner that led to a net worth of $4.5 Gentlemen, you might be familiar with by the name of Steven Spielberg. His cinematic output has grossed more than $9 billion and brought him three Academy Awards. The master blockbuster, this master blockbuster builder was rejected twice, not once, but twice by the University of Southern California's School of Cinematic Arts. As their way of saying, oops, I guess we were wrong about you, the school eventually built uh, built a building with his name on it in his honor. You might have heard of a man named Abraham Lincoln whose failures were broad and numerous. He achieved the unique feat of leaving for war as a captain and returning as a private. His next failure, you're probably more familiar with, took stride in multiple failed business attempts. Undeterred, Lincoln marched into the political realm where he launched several failed runs at political office before his ascendance to become one of the greatest presidents of our country. You've probably heard of a man by the name of Theodore Seuss Geisel, known to generations as Dr. Seuss. This much-loved children's author had his first book rejected by 27 different publishers. His books that weren't good enough for those publishers went on to sell more than 600 million copies worldwide. The statement was made, you ain't going nowhere, son. You ought to go back to driving a truck. Those are the words that greeted Elvis Presley after his first performance at the Grand Old Offery, after which they promptly fired him. Disposing of the keys of the truck, Presley went on to become one of the world's greatest and biggest stars with a legacy that even endures decades after his death. The story of Gideon that we read this morning reads like an action movie. Gideon plays the role of the unlikely hero who rises to the challenge against all odds to accomplish what everyone thought was completely impossible. And while the story may seem like one of those too-good-to-be-true movies, the story has both historical reality and spiritual significance. Pictured in the life of Gideon are several principles for all believers who desire to do great things for God. Is there anyone in this place today who desires to do something great for the Lord? I would remind us that it was the prophet Daniel who said those that know their God will do great exploits. It are the words of Jesus Christ that promised through the power of the Holy Ghost to enable us as the people of God, of the church of the living Jesus Christ, that we're going to do greater things than he did in his ministry. And it's from that setting that I want to preach this morning on the principles of Gideon. I want to share with you some simple principles that are found in the life of this man, Gideon. These guiding principles that if we could just simply grasp them, they will enable us to do what it is, is in our heart to do, and let's do something great for the Lord. The first Gideon principle that I need to share with you is one that I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb here and give you the saw and tell you you're probably not going to like it. Now, that's not how you start things, Sister Maddie, when you're going to preach. I'm going to preach something to you, but you are just not going to like it. Whether you like it or not, or whether you believe it or not, or whether you agree with it or not, it's still the Word of God. And so the first and great principle to be able to become great like Gideon did is you've got to appreciate adversity. The guiding principle of greatness in the kingdom of God is learning how to appreciate the tough times. Some of y'all looking at me, you're saying, you know what? Did your mama drop you on your head when you were a baby more than once? I mean, come on, really? You got to appreciate adversity? But when I use the word appreciate, I'm not referring to the definition that means I'm going to have gratitude, but I'm talking about a perception or rather enjoyment or pleasure. And so why we don't necessarily always agree with the point of someone else's viewpoint, we can appreciate their point. We can grasp it. We can understand it. We can get it. And so when we're introduced to this man, Gideon, he's experiencing great adversity if you read through the conversation of between Gideon and the angel of the Lord, it's easy to see that Gideon has very little appreciation for the situation he's living in. This pagan nation, the Midianites, the evil Midianites have come in and overthrown the nation of Israel. The Midianites, these nomadic people that would, according to the Bible, sweep into an area, and the Bible describes them as locusts. They would ravage the land. They would steal everything from the inhabitants. And after seven years of oppression, Gideon and the rest of Israel cried out to God. I might not be the one who got dropped on my head if it took Gideon seven years to cry out. I'm just saying. And so Almighty God hears the cry of his people at all times. But the Scripture reveals to us that God has a a especially attentive ear when the people begin to cry out in humility for divine assistance. And so in spite of our willingness or in spite of God's willingness to respond to our cry, we need to understand that God is sovereign and that at times in your life and in my life, he He allows a little bit of adversity. I know I'm not, I'm not fond of that. That's not my, my go-to scripture. Oh, God, send trouble my way. I, I know the old timers told me when I was praying for patience as a young man, be careful with that, son. That's a loaded gun, and you've got it pointed right at you, and it is loaded all the chambers. When you pray for patience, you're praying for a little bit of trouble, a little bit of trouble. James would say it this way in James chapter 1, verse 2. He said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Now, I'll be honest with you. Most of the time when I get in trouble, I'm like James, I just fall into it. Can I get a witness? The Bible is telling us I should consider it joy. The New Living Translation, that verse says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, you should consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now, i got to be transparent with you, and when trouble comes my way, I'm going, oh, joy. Oh, happy, happy am I, just like you are. But if we could understand the principle. That adversity is not just part of life, it is literally the plan of God. Because not only did James say that, but Peter weighs in on the conversation in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, when he says the trial of your faith is more precious than gold that perishes. He goes on to talk about being tried with fire and that it might be found to praise and glory and honor at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And these are great and tremendous principles. But when I am having some trouble, hello, when I'm in the midst of the fire, I'm not always thinking about James or Peter or John or any other apostle. I'm thinking about my trouble and I'm dealing with my situation and I have a really tough time understanding the trouble that's going on around me. But Peter says what you know to be true and what I know to be true, that adversity, that trouble, that trials, they're just an integral part of God's refining process for us. But when I'm in the trouble, I don't see it as refining. I see it as trouble and irritation. And so all of the trouble, all of the hardship, all of the difficulty, it should end up, according to the Bible, producing faith that is greater than the faith that I possess now, that is more precious than the faith that I possess now. It's easy for me to say. Say, Brother Roberts, did you really come on a Sunday morning and expect us to appreciate trouble? I do. Because if God's going to do something great through your life, you're going to have to understand that trouble's going to come, that rain is going to fall. One man said it this way. He said appreciation. (laughs) He said he learned what appreciation was in college because he took a class called music appreciation. The professor walked into the class on the first day and said, Welcome to music appreciation. He said, I knew I was in the right place. The professor said you're going to grow in your knowledge and your understanding of music. And so while appreciation is not like any particular style of music, it's developing a working knowledge, an understanding of the characteristics of music styles, of composers, of cultures. He said what that professor would do he would call he would have what we call drop the needle test he would walk into the room and drop the needle and the professor would play a record and the students had to identify the specific work the composer and the period from which it's from and so what i'm telling you is uh, you don't have to like your trouble you don't have to love your trouble but you better appreciate the trouble because god is allowing it to come into your life for a purpose Brother the temple, they're crazier than I am because they're clapping over trouble. But the, the fact of the matter is that trouble is just another test. And I know some of you don't like tests. Some of you said, no, come on, don't like. Anybody ever have one of those kids in class, the teacher come in and said, tomorrow we're gonna have a test. And you got to the end of that next class and the teacher forgot about the test and you were like, oh yeah, we're gonna make it. And that one kid, Ooh, 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 teacher, you forgot the test. Shut your. His mama dropped him. We know that for sure. But I want somebody to know that when trouble comes, it's just another test. It's just a trial. It's just God trying to turn your faith up to another level. Oh, come on, somebody. And I'm not afraid of the test because I already know the answer. No matter what the question is, no matter what the trouble is, the answer is still Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody, understand, adversity is a training ground for the glory of God. And every single person who has ever accomplished anything, in value for the kingdom of God, has had their share of trouble. Can I tell you that it's not going to be different for you. If you're going to do something for God, you're going to have some trouble. You don't have to like it, you don't have to love it, but you better learn to appreciate it. Come on, Gideon said, I don't understand. I don't get this. There's all this trouble, all this issue. If God really, oh, that's where we go, isn't it? If God really loves me, then why has all this trouble befall me? And so we end up in lives that are filled with frustration and defeat and full of confusion because we expect that faith is going to eliminate our adversity instead of strengthen us. But you've got to understand, you've got your concept of faith all mixed up. Faith was never intended to eliminate all of adversity. Faith was enabled was, was intended by God to empower you to walk through the trial, to go through the test, to become an overcomer. Come on, somebody, you find yourself in a difficult situation. You've got to have an expectation. God's teaching me something. God's shaping me something. God's equipping me for something that's greater. Yeah, Peter wrote these words in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, and you know this verse. He said, beloved, think it not strange concerning that fiery trial which has come along to try you as thus some strange thing has happened to you. you. What? See I'm using the word, sister Lawrence, to communicate the point this morning. Come on something happens in your life and you're like, oh God, what do we do? Why is this happening? Why, why is trouble in my life? Why is it I don't deserve this? And, and we begin to make it about us, and we start feeling the frustration and the irritation, and we get confusion in our lives, and we're not walking by faith because all we can think about is the trouble. It's some strange thing, but the truth is trouble's going to fall in every life. Irritation's going to come to every heart. Something's going to happen in your life, and don't get upset about it. You don't have to love it, but you better learn to appreciate it. It's just another test. It's just another opportunity. It's just another time for God to do something that only he can do. You see, if I went back to Scripture, I would find that the, it reveals the trials, the trouble always precede triumph. Abraham had to trouble himself and leave his home to follow God. Abraham had trouble with his own nephew, Lot. Joseph had a little trouble when his brothers threw him in a, into a well and eventually ended up in a prison before he got to a palace. Moses had some trouble when he was exiled to the backside of a desert before he could lead Israel out of Egypt. David had some trouble when he fled for his life to the cave of Adullam before becoming a king over all of the nation. Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus, they ran away because of trouble and hid in Egypt before settling in Nazareth. The list goes on and on. Paul spent three years in a desert waiting for Barnabas to convince the rest of the apostles that Paul really was who he said he was throughout history Adversity prepared the people of God for greater accomplishments. We understand that. But if you never learn to appreciate your adversity, you're never going to accomplish anything great for God. I got to learn. It's not an easy thing, and not everybody's going to like it. But I got to sometimes step back from a circumstance. Wait a minute, what's going on here? It's just a broken washing machine, it's just a car that won't start, it's just a sickness. It's just another disease. Life is filled with it. And if we're not careful, the enemy will begin to tell you that God doesn't love you, that God doesn't appreciate you, that God's not on your side. And you can get all down in the dumps and worry and get all concerned. Wait a minute. You can, you don't understand all this. What I got to appreciate it. It's just more trouble. It's just another circumstance. And God may not be the author of it, but he's allowed it into my life because he knows he's going to take and turn that thing around for greater value. He He's going to come on, somebody. You don't have to love your trouble, but you better appreciate it. It's the tool of an almighty God, it's the hand of the Lord. The second Gideon principle that I'd like to share with you this morning you got to accept your identity. The Bible teaches us that Abraham was the friend of God, the father of many nations. And in his life, he had highs and lows in this journey of faith. And in spite of all of the irregularities of life, God was able to establish a divine covenant with him that no other person had. Even Abraham, this great man of God, tried to help God out. And we know the, the history, we know the story that he created a real life mess that we're dealing with today today and we're still dealing with today, and so sometimes God's best work is revealed in the lives of his messed up children. That principle is true in Abraham's life, and it's illustrated in the life of Gideon. This second guideline for Gideon's life, or the second principle, is to accept what God says about who you are. God walks into the situation and says to Gideon, first you need to know this, Gideon, the Lord is with you. It doesn't feel like God's with me. I got all this trouble. And God walks into the room and says, no, no, I'm with you. You are a mighty man of valor. I'm sure Gideon did what I would have done and turned around and said, who's he talking to? Did you not just see me come out of the wine press? Did you not hear all of that? And so when God comes into your life, he's going to speak prophetically over you some things that he says you can be. And so the reality is for Gideon, he says, you're a mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, I ain't buying that. I ain't buying that I got to appreciate adversity. And I'm not buying nothing about no valor because I've been hiding in a wine press. And so God makes his declaration. But the reality is, if we look at this portion of Scripture, Gideon was, a, was living in a spiritually backslidden nation, and his family was a backslidden family. And here he is threshing the wheat in the hiding place so the Midianites would not see him take the wheat. A few years ago, I did some research on the threshing of wheat, and all they had was a, a platform, Brother Temple, and it had a wall on this side and a wall on this side, and nothing this way. And they would take the wheat and the chaff and throw it in the air because the wind blew this way and the the heaviness of the wheat would fall to the floor and the waste of the chaff would blow away. And I have spent several hours trying to figure out how in the world poor old Gideon could get wheat to thresh inside an enclosed room of a wine press. I'm not sure what this man was doing, but I'm telling you he was working harder than he should have had to work. He was doing more than he should have had to do. I'm telling you, that's not, that's not good English, but that's the truth. And so here he is, and he's looking at the angel. He says, look, I'm not courageous. Gideon is not showing any signs of courage, no signs of valor. He's not showing any, any bravery at all. In fact, his own words in verse 15 is, my clan, my people are weak people. My people are of Manasseh, the smallest tribe, and I am the least of all them people. And so Gideon was small in his own mind. He was a small man from a small town, from a small family, and he was living in fear and disobedience. And so this is the picture that we see when we read about Gideon, but it's also sometimes the picture for some good people of God when you look at your own life. I'm a nobody from nowhere, and I got nothing going on, but I come to preach to somebody that this is not accurate. Because when the angel of the Lord walks in and begins to declare who and what we are, it's not about where you've been or what you've done. It's not about your mama or your daddy. It's not about your heritage. It's about God speaking prophetically over your life. It's about the power of God. It's about his anointing and not mine. Come on, somebody we got to quit looking at our limited abilities. we got to quit looking at our past. we got to quit looking at the wound. we got to quit looking at the present circumstance. God walks up to this man, this scaredy cat man, who has no ounce of bravery in his life and says, how you doing, you mighty man of valor? Who are you talking to? I'm talking to good people. You need to understand that God knows every fault. He knows every failure. He knows every limitation, but he chooses. He makes the choice to look beyond the things that you can see with a natural eye, and he can begin to see the future. He can begin to say to those things that are not as though they already were. See, God is looking through the eyes of faith, and the Almighty God is prophesying over a life. He said, I have made you a new creation. I had more people clapping over appreciating adversity than I did identity. Oh, yeah, you're right. Good job. Good job. Good job. No, no, no. You're not buying into this. The Lord walked into that room and said something That in the physical sense was not true, but in the spiritual realm, God said, This is a possibility. This has an ability to happen. And you may not be everything that God has called you to be at this moment, but hold on. You're not the one who's gonna change it oh come on there's gonna be some adversity but you got to say when God calls you out of darkness you're no longer a creature of darkness you're walking in the light oh I just going to come in and and get me a little praise and do my little thing. No, no, no. God called you a warrior. He said, you're a mighty man of valor. You're a great woman of valor. I've got a purpose for you. i got a plan for you. Quit getting upset every time trouble happens. Quit getting upset every time your world turns upside down. i got a plan that is bigger than your circumstance. Quit telling me I'm wrong about you. Accept the identity God called Abraham the father of many nations. He didn't have any children. God called Moses a deliverer while he was living on the backside of the desert, hiding from a manslaughter charge. God called Peter a rock on which he was going to build the kingdom of God, the man who was the most inconsistent. The man who was the most impatient. The man who was always going from one place to another. And God says to him, upon this rock, what is it that God says about you? What is it that God is saying about me? Oh, God says, you're loved. Well, I, I, I know I I know God loves me but I have a hard time believing it. No, God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved the world and the angel shows up and says, "You know what? You might be sitting under the terebinth tree right now. You might be feeling sorry for yourself, but God loves you and God has heard your prayer. Come on somebody. I'm talking to somebody that walked into this building today and you don't feel like God loves you. You don't feel like God's on your side. But I come to preach a word to somebody today. He's on your side. Quit listening. God said, you're my child. Oh, I know. My mama said you was a little devil. But Jesus said, "You're a mighty warrior." The world has labeled you all kinds of mess. The world has labeled you loser, quitter, defeated. The world, but Jesus Christ, come in and said, "You're more than a conqueror. You're my children. You're my sons and my daughters. You're part of the church." Come on, somebody! I am the friend of God. Jesus is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I didn't know there were terebinth trees at Living Hope, but it seems like there are plenty because there are people sitting under the sound of my voice and all you can see is your situation. All you can do is feel like, well, I'm never going to be anything. I know God can't forgive this and God can't forgive that. Did you not come to Sunday school? He's faithful and just to forgive us. Come on. Quit letting condemnation work in your life. Let conviction bring you to an altar. We are his work we are created in his image. We are created to do good works. Oh, some of you aren't buying in yet. Some of the world has said, You're nothing but a hood. And Jesus said, Yeah, I'm going to put you in a royal priesthood. That's the kind of hood you need now. He, come on, he called you out of darkness. I wish somebody would help me preach. Come on, it's time to come out of a wine press. You're blood bought. You're Holy Ghost filled. You're heaven bound. You're an equipped warrior. Here's what Giddings, the angel walks up of the Lord and says, You are a mighty man of valor. And Gideon did what we do and go, I don't feel like no mighty man of valor. You're a mighty warrior. and You're going to deliver the entire nation of Israel. I'm the smallest. I'm the least in my family. I come from a small town, a small, one-light town. Nobody. No, 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 no. That angel said, you are an anointed son of God sometimes we just got to be reminded uh, when the wind is blowing uh, when the issues are coming uh, listen uh, you can label me what you want uh, and you can call me whatever you think is right uh, and I can call me whatever I want uh, but when Jesus Christ uh, begins to call me something uh, listen uh, I want you to know uh, it may not be there yet Uh, it may be in the prophetic uh, but if I learn uh, to appreciate my adversity if I let faith uh, work in my life uh, if I keep on the path uh, and I say you know what I may not be a royal priesthood yet but I am going to walk in that direction it's a principle it's a principle you can build upon it but we come in and we make it all about us. And I'm looking around this room and I see some lives, and I could call some of you by name, and God has done great work in your life. And you come in and go, Well, well, I just got me a little wine press. I'm just trying to work out a little wheat. I'm just trying to hide from the Midianites. I don't want no attention paid here. I don't want none of that. And God is saying, no, no, it's time for you to come out of the wine press. It's time for you to quit feeling sorry for yourself. It's time for you to find a new tree. you got to get away from the oak tree and find the cross. you got to get back to the place. Come on, you got to learn. You're walking in this thing. You're growing by faith. God's going to make you something greater than you've ever imagined. I remember it. Remember it. I was ripe old age of 18. Savati, I was a troubled young man, had my issues before the Lord. And I remember my grandmother's funeral. Two of my well-meaning aunts loved them, loved them still. They didn't mean anything negative by it, but I'd been in the military for a few months and was doing by all intents from the outside view. I was doing pretty good and and they said to me, we, hey, we're glad you're doing okay, Jeff. You know, Southern talk. We figured by now you'd be dead or in prison or both. Well, I love you too. I appreciate you too. Truth is, Brother Junior, I'd given them some reason to say some things like that about me. But it wasn't very long after that that I walked through the doors of an old church over on Midway Drive and I I made my way down through that corridor and I come in there and I heard an apostolic preacher began to preach that word of God for the first time. And it was different than some other churches that I'd been in. And I realized then that God had something different for me. And there have been times when I've been under that terrible tree and I was feeling sorry for myself. And I had a preacher come and remind me, God's got a plan for your life. God's got a purpose for your life. God's got something more for you. God's going to do something great in your life. I'm not taking any glory for what God's done. I'm just telling you, don't give up on God. He's not done with you yet. Quit calling yourself something other than what God called you. But you don't know how bad I failed. We got an altar. You don't know how messed up I am. We got an altar. You don't know how broken I am. We have an altar. Come on, you might be caught in the very act, but I see Jesus bending over in the sand and writing something and looking around. He's saying, Where are thine accusers? Come on, somebody, I'm glad to be a part of the church. I'm glad to be a part of what God's doing. Oh, mighty man of valor. Oh, courageous warrior. Oh, victorious man of God. I can't see that and you can't see that. But if somebody could just begin to trust in God. If somebody could begin to walk like faith, you may not believe it. The world may be trying to tear you down and say something you're not. quit They don't want to label everything. The only label I'm looking for is being called out of darkness into light, being called into a kingdom, being translated and transformed into his likeness, being called under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. You got to accept the identity that God has placed upon you. Blood bought, Holy Ghost filled, heaven bound. My third and final point this morning after you've made peace with adversity, not an easy thing to do, you've learned to appreciate the trouble for what it truly is, it's just another test to which I already have the answer. After you have learned to accept your God-given identity, not the one that people say you are, not the one the world gave you, or even the one that often you think you are, now it is time to act. It's time for some action. And so we've got to act with authority. Gideon would go on to win probably one of the greatest victories of all time, What a a courageous man, what an amazing man, what a a great battle he would win. But with this appreciation and identity comes a new God-given authority. And what I know about authority from the Word of God is this, that without obedience, authority is useless. Now, word of caution for someone, it's important that we don't confuse This idea of acting boldly or acting courageously with acting without divine guidance. What are you talking about, Brother Roberts? I'm saying don't act unless God tells you to, right? You need the anointing of God. God's got to give you specific direction before before doing something. Otherwise, it's just a poor choice. Let me put it in this kind of term. Going into battle with 300 men against 135,000 men armed with pitchers and trumpets. Might not be a great idea unless God tells you to. Holding a rod out over the Red Sea might make you look a little foolish expecting the waters to roll back unless God tells you to. Can I? you get my point? Attempting to walk on water is not a great idea unless Jesus is the one telling you to get out of the boat. But understanding something here that before This great warrior, Gideon, could become everything that God wanted him to become. God comes that very night in a dream in verse 25 and 26 of Judges. The Bible says it came to pass that same night that the Lord said unto Gideon, take your father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut it down, the grove that's around it. And build an altar unto the Lord thy God on top of this rock in the ordered place. And take that second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which you're going to cut down. You see, here's the point that I try to make. There are some people that they get past adversity. They're not caught up in it. They're not lost in adversity. They understand it's just part of life or it's just the plan of God. And there are other people that accept their God-given Ability and their identity that God has given them, the anointing that God has placed on their life, and, and yet they still don't accomplish what God wants them to accomplish. And the issue is this. You see, God has this great encounter with Gideon, and the miraculous happens, and all of these things happen, and that same night, God wakes Gideon up and says, hold on, Gideon, before you go attack uh, all those Midianites, uh, we got to get some things right in your life uh, because God's authority, that divine guidance, uh, is always going to lead in a path of purity. I'm talking about some people that you're okay with trouble, you, you understand that it's building faith. And I, I'm talking about some good people of God that understand that God has called you out of darkness and given you a new identity, but you're still not doing very much for God because there's some idols in your life. There's some false worship in your life. And God wakes this, this courageous warrior who's now been transformed up. He's been, he wakes him up in the middle of the night and this transformation is taking place. And he said, I need you to go back up to your daddy's place of worship. And I need you to cut down that altar of Baal. And I need you to build a new altar unto the Lord. And I need you to cut down that grove where they worship Baal. I want you to cut down every single tree of false worship. And I want you, I want you to take that wood and use that for the sacrifice that you're going to make. I'm telling somebody that God wants to do something great from your life, but he's going to require what he always requires. He's going to need some purity. He's going to. Oh, God, he's going to make some mighty warriors. God is going to bring people to a place of the miraculous, but the miraculous can't happen in the impure. No, 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 no. You cut that whole altar down. You tear it down and build a new altar unto Jehovah God. And you cut down every area of false worship. And I see good people that come week after week after week, and the miraculous is not happening in their lives. And the problem is they've got some false worship, and they've got some carried over daddy's idols. But I can't get to the Midianites. I can't get to the place where they're calling out my name. Oh, Gideon and the sword of the Lord, and they break those pitchers, and they begin to wave those lights, and the Midianites are so terrified that they kill each other. What a tremendous miracle but it can't happen until Gideon purifies his heart. I need somebody to understand Gideon was successful because of the anointing. Gideon was successful because God anointed his life and called him to remove the trash. Oh, some of y'all clapped more over adversity than you do purity. You see, uh, here's the bottom line God can use messed up lives, God can use broken lives, but He will never, He will never, He will never anoint people, hallelujah, who have impurity in their life. I don't know. God is calling somebody. God is bringing somebody. God wants to anoint somebody and take them to a higher level. But he's got to deal with that idol first. He's got to deal with false worship first. Why? I don't know what you're talking about, Brother Roberts. No, no, money. How about sports? Sports. How about the way you look and the way you feel? I'm not going to go into a big litany. There's all kinds of things that we worship. There's all kinds of things that we put our minds and our hearts and our efforts and our energy into that aren't aren't God. But before he could literally become the mighty man of valor that God has called him to be, he's got to go back to his father's house. He's got to tear down the altar that was built to Baal. Now, I, I, I did a little head scratching. Wait a minute. You want God to deliver you. You're crying out to God. Y'all got issues. You're being oppressed by me. And I'm just simple. I'm doing one plus one is two. Well, Trey, I ain't got to that advanced math yet. Two plus two is four. And you got an altar to Baal. You want God to deliver you and anoint you to do the miraculous. And you got a grove built to Asheroth where people can worship this false God. And God is saying to us, you got to tear down that altar. You got to cut down that grove. And you got to begin to build a, a new altar. You got. Come on, somebody, I know where I'm preaching. I'm preaching to a 21st century church that if we're not careful, come on. I know adversity's gonna come. I know it's part of the plan. I know God has given me an identity, but I don't understand why the miraculous is not happening because there's something else. I see all these people that like to take old stuff Refinish it, make it pretty, make it restore it, and make it like new. Well, Junior, I I like new stuff. I I never had a desire. Maybe you do. Good for you. Have fun. Go sand and paint and tear it up. Make your listen. You you need to understand. He said, "You are a new." Creation. He's called you out of this. He he's prophesied over some lives that he wants to do some great things among the people of God. He wants to use you in ways you've never imagined. Gideon didn't wake up in the morning and said, "I think I'll go whip 135,000 Midianites." Gideon didn't have that idea. God came and God said, "You know what? You're a mighty man of valor." And Gideon said, "I feel like Chicken Little." And God said, "No, no, but you got to get some things right. We got to settle this. I'm giving you a new identity. You got to." Quit whining and complaining about the adversity because I'm using it to build something in you that nothing else will. Oh, Gideon, hold on. Before you go to that battle, you got to tear some things down. (laughs) We're not careful. In this culture, all we want to do is build things up and build and build and build and build and build. But sometimes, uh, in a spiritual sense, uh, we got to take some things down and get it put on the right foundation. Amen. Here's what Paul said to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 5 You can be certain, you can be sure that nothing immoral, nothing impure, no greedy person will ever inherit. The kingdom of God. Why? Why is it that people don't become everything that God intends them to be? Why is it that good people that we love and appreciate don't become everything that God intends them to be? They get caught up in the trouble. It's just a a disease. But it's meant to kill me. Everything. Everything that the enemy brings into your life is meant to kill you. That's his job description. It's just another test, just a drop of the needle. I need to understand the composer. I need to understand who wrote the music. I need to understand where it's coming from. But above all, I need to know the answer to the test. What's the answer when I'm in trouble? It's still Jesus. What's the answer when I don't understand the music? It's still Jesus. What's the answer when I feel like my world is literal? It's, it's still Jesus. It hasn't changed. It won't. It won't change. It can't change. But we look at our trouble and say, you know, I've got so much trouble. I've got so much heartache. God could never use me. And you sit in your seat this morning and you know the call of God that God has put on your life. You know the voice of God that has spoken in your situation. You mighty man, you mighty woman, you great child of God, you wonderful. Come on, all of the things that God has said unto you. I'm trapped in my past. I'm trapped in my circumstance. And I can't see what God has called me to be. It's right there in front of me. I can see that God did all these great things in other people's lives, but I can't. Like Gideon, believe it about me. And then there's a group of people that have come through that. They understand the adversity. They understand it's just another test. And I don't have to like it. But I'm not going to complain about it, Joseph. I'm just going to go from the pit to the prison. I'm just going to go from Potiphar's house to the prison, because somewhere down the road there's a palace in my future. But what is it? What is it? What's going on, Joseph? you got to keep your heart pure. you got to keep your spirit right before God, Joseph. Why? Because I don't understand God. It's going to restore. God's going to lift up. God's going to use you, Joseph, to do the miraculous. But if you get caught up, if you don't purify yourself, Brother Henderson talked about it this morning, if you don't forgive those that have hurt you, just a false prophecy can't be true about me I'm not what God said stand with me Gideon began as a coward became a hero who led a nation for 40 years when trouble came to Abraham's life he fled down to Egypt lied about his wife slept with a servant girl In spite of all of that, God made him the father of the faithful and the father over many nations. Moses, in his zeal, murdered a man, committed manslaughter, trying to do the will of God. The same murderer became a great man who led an entire nation to deliverance. David, that great king of Israel, the man after God's own heart, committed adultery and murder for his own purpose. That list could go on and on and on and on of those that needed God's transforming to make them what God called them to be. We didn't take the time to talk about David, that smallest child of the big family who wasn't even worthy to come home when the prophet came. But God said, oh, this is the one. And old Papa Jesse goes, what? That little boy? Oh, no, no, he, he, he's the next king. <laughs> Samuel, we gave you the wrong wine. It's okay, buddy. God does his best work when he transforms a life. But I can't get caught up, and you can't get caught up in what I can see. But you've got to know that God called you you got to know that the Lord's got an anointing on your life. And all you can see is the issue of the day and the circumstance. But God said, I've got more for you. And he speaks to you as a person of valor, a person of courage. I'm so scared. I'm so, I'm so much in fear. Can I tell someone that that transforming power of the Lord is seen most in Jesus Christ? Born in a stable, placed in a feeding trough, grew up in Nazareth, of which the Bible says, can any good thing come from there? Eventually, this great, great man would be led out to a hill called Golgotha to be crucified. Golgotha was not a celebrated place. It was literally the city dump. The instrument of torture. But Jesus understood adversity as part of the process. He said, I'm not going to let you define me. The world says I'm I'm the devil. The world says I'm a false prophet. The world says all that. But I'm going to submit myself to the plan of God, and I'm not going to. What Jesus on that cross said, forgive them, Father, for they, they don't even know what they're doing. But amazing. Well, he's Jesus. He can do that. No. He gave you the same ability, Brother Trey. He gave us the same ability. God is calling some people to greatness. God is calling some people in this local church to do more than you've ever done. But it's going to toss you something. It's gonna take you to places that you don't feel comfortable. It's gonna, but there's an Almighty God. It's gonna show up by your oak tree when you're hiding in the wine press. He's gonna call you something that you never thought was ever possible. But if you'll just stick to the principle, Amen, God. This is just part of the process. Well, they said it's cancer. It's just part of the process. Whether I live or whether I die, God's going to get the glory. Whether I make it or whether I don't, God's going to get the glory. But but it's but uh, it can be whatever it is. It can it can be any kind of life, life changing, altering situation. Doesn't matter. Does God get the glory or doesn't he? I'm talking, I'm reaching for somebody this morning. I'm pulling for you today. Don't give up on God because he has not given up on you. But there's some things Come on, we got to tear down some things. We got to cut down some false worship. We got to cut off these worldly idols. Oh, this altar is open. Come, praise team, Begin to pray. Begin to understand there's a process, there's a power, there's an anointing, there's a, there's a beautiful blessing of the Lord that wants to do something great in your life. Don't get caught up, don't get wounded. Don't get confused. Don't get hurt. Don't get put Don't get put aside. But what's going on? Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also visit us at www.livinghope. Md.com. So I'm